tonight. From wherever in the world you are listening, the big hand for your host, here's Ainsley. Welcome to Price Tag Pod, where we attempt to put a price tag on your dignity. I'm your host, Ainsley Blakely May, and I'm joined by my guest for this evening. My next guest loves a scone unless it's covered in tomatoes. She used to uncover old recipes for cakes and pies, but now she uncovers old bones and pottery. The host of the educational Digital Soup podcast, Samantha Davis. What's up, Sam? Hi. I didn't think you were going to give me that big of an opening. Hello. Happy to be here. I try to start off with a high energy, at least. Yeah, yeah, I get that. No, whenever I have guests on, they're always taken aback by my little weird stuff at the beginning. Yeah. In fact, listening to one of your episodes about butter, you talk about um a lot. That that is a problem. <laughs> oh, I say it too much, and I don't. I think I say it even more now that I'm so aware of it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I get it. I'm I'm a real kind of editing police. I'm continuously getting rid of parts. Like one of my co-hosts in another show, he's always saying it's funny because or this fun thing happened when, mm-hmm. and like every sentence. So I have to like try to put it in one every five sentences so it sounds a little more organic. I need to, I need to get a life. <laughs> <laughs> so Sam, I know how much you love scones, but I have a really important question for you. Do you uh, put jam and cream on scones? Oh, of course. I'm not a monster. <laughs> jam first or cream? Jam first. Yeah, good. Yeah, you like it wouldn't spread that well on cream. <laughs> yeah, I was born in Cornwall in the southwest, and in Cornwall we have jam and then we have cream. But in Devon they do it the completely other way, where they put cream first and then spoon the jam on afterwards. Oh. And and it's been a rivalry of ours for like hundreds of years. No matter, I can meet anyone from Devon and I would literally say, fuck you and your scones. And they'd be like, dude, you got it wrong. And then we banter all the time. <laughs> no, I get that. It's like Americans with football. <laughs> I know you hate each other's teams and stuff. but Well, I'm there's a couple like pretty legendary rivalries. Like I'm from Texas. So uh, my team is the Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys. And one of our like hated rivals is the Eagles up in Philadelphia. When you're making small talk in America, you usually talk about like hey do you watch any sports and then you usually find out like oh you're disgusting i hate you yeah and also i think we just incorporate their the culture of the team into like why we hate the team so much yeah like i remember we had a neighbor because i've moved all over the u.s and they were from philly they were making fun of barbecue which they shouldn't because that's dumb because everyone loves barbecue. Yeah, it's religion in the South, yeah. Exactly. And, well, I don't hate Philly cheesesteaks, but I would kind of make fun of hers, even though yeah. that's probably not, that wasn't cool, but <laughs> you can't come on to my barbecue. Philly, I have this thing, it's kind of like, you, they have to specify what's in what they're eating by saying the whole thing in the name. When you get a Philly cheesesteak, you know the two ingredients, it's in there. Yeah. Whereas like New Orleans, New Orleans they have like five letter words, like gumbo which is a collection of so many other things, you know? It's like a melting pot of stuff. And it just feels the whole of the US just hate Philadelphia. And that's how, that's my view. Well, yeah. And then also I would bring up the whole Michael Vick thing. Um, I don't know if you guys know about that overseas. Like, do you know who Michael Vick is? No, no, no. Well, he's a professional football player for uh, the Eagles, which is the Philadelphia team. Mm-hmm. And um, he got busted for dog fighting. Ooh. Uh, and they never like t- he did jail time, but they didn't take him off the team. They just like brought him back. <laughs> That's funny. I think I heard about a game recently. I don't know if it was Pats, but it was like um, they had someone on the team who tested positive for COVID, but still played. Ugh. That's another line of politics, I'm sure. <laughs> Honestly, it's like it's very upsetting <laughs> to me. It's really upsetting. It's insanity. Um, you guys aren't taking it seriously as the rest of the world. It's a very complex issue over here because a lot of us do take it very seriously. I do. And I know a lot of my family is, but it has to do with a lot of misinformation that's been sort of peddled by our government as well. I'm sure you guys are doing your own thing with Brexit right now, but we've been dealing with Donald Trump for quite a few years. (laughs) He's still holding on there. He's fighting. (laughs) Uh, I don't think so anymore. So, um, Texas, unfortunately, they did launch a legal dispute on the election and they did lose recently with the Supreme Court. They tried to contest the election and then they threatened to secede again because Texas has seceded from the 
United States multiple times. I thought it was a big fight between Arizona. Because Arizona and Georgia, that were like fighting back against Trump's um, lawsuits. So Arizona, the election results have been like accepted. And actually, I think you're thinking of Nevada. Oh, yeah, that was also a battleground after a while. Yeah. And a lot of people were like, oh, Nevada couldn't possibly turn blue. But the because they only have two like counties in Nevada that were blue and then the rest of Nevada was red. It's a pretty big state. Mm. So I wasn't confident in it. But then I started thinking about like where everyone lives in Nevada because it is mostly desert. And it, it, they do mostly live in those two counties. So it does kind of make sense why it turned blue. And then Georgia, they do have a lot of Democratic voters. And um, so there's this thing called gerrymandering, or I guess it's actually pronounced gerrymandering is what I just found out, which kind of oh, it is. My mind. I always thought it was called gerrymandering from, from in this casual well, discussion. That's not how it's spelled. Yeah. But uh, apparently it's Gary. I don't know. <laughs> Who's Gary? But <laughs> it was named after Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> it's actually named after a politician um, who was very racist and uh, generally like not a nice person. He was a Republican, I believe, and in order to make sure that he would win in states where they had a lot of Democratic voters, or if they had a lot of Black uh, voters, they usually do vote Democrat because the Democratic Party isn't as openly racist, I guess, (laughs) Uh, in their policymaking. And so there's a lot of these districts that are look like so weird like uh and like snake through each other just so that uh they can cancel out the democratic vote with republican votes i've been really obsessed with following um georgia right now because it's going to be the most expensive senate race in u.s history and you have uh all all the big lead democrats coming out of georgia i mean i saw that andrew yang was supposed to be going there but now he's running for new york um Mayor, I think. Honestly, I've had a lot of election fatigue lately. <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. I get it. I'm. I'm. I was worn out after Brexit. I was done with the thing. I understand that. Yeah, and also it's very stressful because it's going to affect your economy for quite a while, huh? I, I live in Sweden now, so fuck them. <laughs> oh, good yeah. for you. Are you ready to play, Sam? Let's get going. Yes, I've held up the game long enough. I guess it's fine. It's fine. This is good content. It's good. So as we were just discussing scones. I thought we would uh, link the question up. So for $10, if you drop a scone on the floor, would you pick it up and eat it? Hmm. It's, it's covered in butter and jam and, and such. How clean's the how clean's the floor? How clean is your floor? Like if I went, like in, in my kitchen. Yeah. I clean that floor a lot. <laughs> um, well, is it... More importantly, is it landing like jam side down? Yeah. Ooh. Do I have more jam to put on it? <laughs> sure. Load it up. Uh, how about 20 bucks? Can I get you down to 17? How about 18? Yeah, let's do 18. I'm fine with that. Okay, I'll eat it. I'll eat it for 18 bucks. Off the floor? I eat off the floor for free at my own house. <laughs> I keep a clean house. I'm not worried. <laughs> yeah. That's some serious hygiene freaks, freaks out there. Um, well, I think it's because I work in a kitchen and we usually don't have janitors to clean up after us. We clean the kitchen. Like, it's a, it's a big thing. Yeah, I mean, I've met a lot of chefs that are just so sterile. Like, they sterilize perfectly and, and everything's closed down. There's nothing better than a very clean-looking kitchen, especially working in the service industry. It's very nice when everything's kind of gleaming at you. Yeah, it's nice and shiny. <laughs> I feel that this episode is going to be very food-based. I have a lot of food-based questions, but of course, I think that will make you happy. <laughs> My podcast is food-based, so... <laughs> yeah, there you go. It links in with your listeners. It's perfect. Yeah. 25 bucks, Sam. I need you to explain your hatred of tomatoes in general. Or you just don't like fresh or you, what's your deal? The deal is I just don't like fresh tomatoes in a sandwich. Cause I just, uh, I like a cooked tomato. I like tomato sauce and everything. I'm not that picky of an eater anymore. I just, I think it's a texture thing. And also since it's so like gooey in the middle, it'll like slide out of the sandwich while you try to bite into it sometimes. (laughs) If it's a larger one, it's not worth it in my opinion. 
there's one of my comedian, favorite comedians in the States called Demetri Martin. And he explained that um, a salad does a lot of work because first we have to dice everything up, put it into a bowl, stir it together, add a dressing. But then when you come to eat it, everything just tries to fall off your spoon anyway. So you're actually constructing a hundred mini salads on your spoon. So it's like, oh, how's, the, how's the salad coming along? Oh, it's a lot of work. It's a really big, a lot of effort. I totally agree to that, especially, so like, especially when you finish your salad and you're down to the cherry tomatoes at the bottom. And they're just so like not wanting to be eaten and rolling around and stuff. Mm-hmm. I butchered the joke, but he does a really great section on it. He's a really funny comedian. But yeah. for, for 25 bucks, Sam, would you eat a small tomato salad? A tomato salad? Like it's only tomatoes? Tomato, cucumber, some lettuce, some rucola. Uh, do you call it rucola or arugula? Arugula, yeah. Ah, okay. I've never well, heard of arugula. That's, hmm. I've never heard anyone pronounce it like that. That's interesting. <laughs> um, for $25, would I eat it? Mm, I'd probably eat it for 30 It's not a big salad. I think, I think it's big enough for you to maybe go down to like 27 I really hate the taste of raw tomatoes, so I think <laughs> I'd do it for 30 <laughs> All right, you win. You got me. (laughs) (laughs) I totally agree, though. I was the dude that loved ketchup. I loved tomato soup. Tomato puree I used in pretty much all my meals. But when it came to fresh tomatoes, I I was out until like maybe two years ago. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't help that like raw tomato is actually like a pretty big thing in some Southern stuff. Like there's this thing called a tomato mayo sandwich that a lot (laughs) of people really like, including my mom. And I just do not enjoy it. I mean, there's the classic BLT. I don't know if you hear that in the States, like bacon, lettuce, tomato. Yeah. yeah. I actually, I have a recipe on my website that accompanies the podcast called BLT focaccia, but instead of the L, <laughs> it stands for lots of cheese. And I do like a marinated tomato, but the, it cooks in the oven. So it's yeah. like, it's still not a raw tomato. <laughs> I like to cut a tomato like in half and then get some garlic cloves, cut them pretty fine and stuff them into the gooey parts. And just put them in the oven and grill them until they kind of caramelize. That's pretty nice. That sounds nice. I think I just don't really like the acidity. Maybe I just don't like acidic food. (laughs) I like it when it's concentrated because it just gets rid of all the water that you would expect from a tomato. Because tomato is almost flavored water. But I do like watermelon, which is also flavored water. But it tastes way better than a tomato. Do you like cucumber? I do like cucumber, yeah. That's basically water. Mm, yeah, I guess so. It, it has flavor though. And then also, if you get a whole cu- cucumber after your salad, you can put a couple rounds on your eyes, have a nice relaxing minute. You're really pressed for money there, aren't you, being a student? You need- <laughs> I am, yes. Thank you for mentioning that. I get it. So you said you're from the state of Texas. Uh, do you like heat in your barbecues? Do you like, do you like spicy foods? Yeah, I have a pretty high spice tolerance. Which, which one do you think is spicier, jalapeno or wasabi? It's a different kind of spice because like wasabi is like, it'll like clear you out. And then you said a jalapeno? Yeah. That's not that spicy anyway. I don't think a jalapeno technically is as spicy as wasabi, but maybe it's because I've had it more often. Like I come across that more often than wasabi. Yeah, of course. I guess wasabi is like a spicier feeling. Yeah. Anyway, I'll, I'll ask you the question. You can decide which one you want to use. For fifty for fifty dollars, would you stick either a slice of jalapeno or a dab of wasabi in your ear? <laughs> um, uh, I think I would do jalapeno because wasabi is like a paste, so I'd be worried that like something's like if it really hurts, it's going to like get stuck in there. And I'm like, and I try to get it out. It's going to get like further in. Um, So I do jalapeno in my ear um, for $50. About like 55. That's pretty good. I'll do 55. I'm happy with that. You know, everyone in the industry, the food industry, Everyone has a story of like either them or someone else uh, forgetting to wear gloves or touching chilies and prepping mm. them and then going to the bathroom and just not having a good time. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like the stars going onto the pastry or something like that, but that was a much more graphic image that I have in my head. <laughs> the, there's like a friend of a friend 
type of story. And this guy was like, he was making bulk salsa. So it's like a ton of chilies and tomatoes and onions. And he went up to the bathroom and no one saw him for like 30 minutes. And they look all over the restaurant for him. They're like, did he just fucking leave in his shift? And then they go out back to where we all, uh, well, I don't smoke, but you know, everyone else would smoke. And this guy's like rubbing his crotch and like doubled over, like running around and like basically just crying in the corner. <laughs> and when they, once they found out was was wrong, he like asked, can you like bring me some sour cream? And he said he was going to like dip himself in some sour cream. <laughs> you just given me a great idea for a question on this show. I'm writing that down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, you can uh, fill in the blanks. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. But uh, this chef at the time, I've never worked with this chef. They're pretty notorious for having a bad attitude with uh, their employees. Kind of like they think they're Gordon Ramsay on American Hell's Kitchen, which oh yeah, I don't think he acts like that with actual employees. I really doubt it. He just like started verbally abusing this poor kid who's got like burning crotch right now. I feel like Gordon Ramsay has really ruined the relationship between employee and employer. Same with like I I love I don't know if you've seen this in the states with Spike TV. But you have uh, Bar Rescue, the guy called John Taffer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Man, that's insane. I love that show, but it's so dramatic. It is. They, like, kind of make it seem like every bartender is, like, stealing shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you, you also love to bake, right? That was kind of your first passion. Yeah, and I worked as a pastry cook. Like, I didn't necessarily do savory that much. I did savory for a year while I was going to school. I started with baking myself, so I, I, I appreciate it. So for a hundred bucks, would you make an entire wedding cake and then sit on it naked? <laughs> and I mean like decorate it fully, put your heart and soul into it. Well, here's the thing. Most pastry chefs, you like think like putting all the work into a cake, you don't want people to eat it. Most of us are very well aware, like we're putting all this work into something that's just going to disappear. So I, I think like destroying a really beautiful cake would actually kind of be nice. Like it would be kind of cathartic. You said a hundred dollars. Yeah. I don't have to do this in front of anyone. No, that's not in the question. Yeah. Hmm. What about 125? I can give you 120, but then it's definitely a two-tier cake. Okay. <laughs> you said a two-tiered cake? Yeah. Hmm. Would I be allowed to take the dowels out of it? <laughs> <laughs> or do I have to impale myself? When I asked this question before, some guy was like, do we still have the little figurines of the bride and groom on top? Because I don't want to... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you can take the dowels out if you like. You can, you can okay. be smart. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'd still do that. For 120? Yeah, 120. I'll settle for that. Deal. All that buttercream. <laughs> that would actually, your hand, I would, my skin would be so soft. <laughs> yeah. I mean, would you eat it afterwards? That's kind of the question. I mean, I guess, I don't know how sweaty a kitchen gets. It's already touching me. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like I'd be fine. I've licked like frosting off my hands. This is no different. Yeah, I guess. Depends how thorough you really sit on those cakes. I was just thinking that. I was like, I definitely wouldn't like eat it off of my butt, you know? <laughs> no, I would definitely avoid that. How are you with uh, public situations? Do you find, say, for example, if you're, you and your friend were out on a street or something and they were talking too loudly about, I don't know, some personal issue and you see that everyone is watching them and uh, hearing them, do you get embarrassed? Do you go red? You're talking to someone who has cried openly on a street corner because they had a really hard day at work and a bunch of people stared at them and I did not care. <laughs> so not, not that kind of person. Because Europeans can be quite withdrawn at times. We don't, we don't really express too much, especially in Sweden. Everyone has to be very, mm. not very emotionally flat. <laughs> That's really not the case over here. No, it's not. It's really not. <laughs> I, I like that. I like that. It helps me with my questions a lot better. Um, and I think the best part about living in a larger city is like, even if you're crying on a street corner, you're not the craziest person on the street. No. You're like not even close. <laughs> so then for 250 bucks, would you go into a restaurant or the most expensive dish on the menu, throw it on the ground and then just walk out? No, that's awful. <laughs> I would not do that period. That's horrible. 
I can offer you a loophole. Okay, what? McDonald's is a restaurant. No, the people still work there and like put time and energy into that. Like, there's still people behind the counter. <laughs> I don't know anyone at McDonald's that really puts a lot of love and passion into the burgers that they provide for the guests. Maybe they do. Maybe there's one dude at the back that's really pushing it. But yeah, I mean, I bet the managers too. They like. So that's a franchise. So a lot of the people who are an owner of a McDonald's, like they started it, they saved up money, they built it from the ground up. Like that's a straight up business. And also most of the people working at a McDonald's are like high school age. I'm not going to yell at a high schooler <laughs> or make someone feel bad for being a high schooler. I never said yell. Okay. Still like throwing food on the ground, like someone has to clean that up. That's pretty fucked up. 250 bucks. You could give them money. You could pay them for it. Like I could throw it on the ground, leave, and then like walk back in and clean it up. <laughs> wow, you've really worked in the industry. You can do that if you want. No. Uh, my parents actually have a saying of like, if every single person worked in a food industry or a service industry, and like it was a government mandate you had to, like we wouldn't have as many <laughs> of those horrible people like screaming at a cashier over nothing. Yeah, I, I could agree. I don't think I would do it for 250 Um what would you like to do? Would you like to change the question? Um, if I, here's my conditions. I will mm-hmm. do it for $300 if there's no sauces involved. Cause then they'd have to get out the mop. And like maybe if the food's still in all the packages. So it's like maybe if it's even still in like the bag that they hand you the food in. If I like put that on the floor gently and then I walk <laughs> out and then I come back in and <laughs> clean it up. <laughs> I will do Gen- that for $3. Gently, though. I mean, you kind of have to destroy your burger. Okay. Uh, so if it's, like, in the little, like, clamshell, if the burger's in the clamshell and then that little clamshell's in a bag, I would throw it on the ground and then come back and clean it up. <laughs> yeah, I can allow that if the clamshell slightly opens but it stays remained within the bag yeah like the burger is smashed still but it doesn't like leave a mess for someone to clean up yeah i would agree to 300 if you spend your own money to to buy the burger it's the most expensive oh, burger yeah. to me i don't know how expensive it gets in mcdonald's it's not too bad and i'd probably buy some fries too and those would be fine so i'd still get fries out of the situation all right 300 bucks it is Okay. I knew you had a price. You just had to be very, very, very specific. Yeah, I just, I think it's the way I was raised too. I don't want to inconvenience someone who's like making minimum fucking wage. You only need to do the bare minimum if you have minimum wage. I don't want anyone to have to like do some extra shit. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> I respect it. I understand. Um, being from the South, are your family overly religious? I know this is a stereotype. It's a pretty true stereotype. Um, mm. So actually... That was a big thing for why I got me and my sister got bullied a lot growing up is because we're not religious at all. Oh, wow. We're, my whole family's in the sciences now, including me, even though I'm anthropology is like classified as a soft science. I don't know why. My sister's an astrophysicist and my parents are computer programmers. So we're pretty scientific instead of religious. But I did get bring up, brought up to like be respectful of other people's beliefs. Like I don't hate Christian people because I got bullied by Christians, if that makes sense. It's very bizarre f- for me to understand this. Uh, people bully- bullied you for not being religious because they're supposed to be teaching love and understanding and, and such. But Yeah, it did happen. Probably more around high school. So it probably had to do with like other stuff, like clicky, horrible kids that age stuff. No, I like got pressured into going to a couple services as a kid. And I was like, this isn't even the section of Christianity that I'm technically a part of. Like my dad grew up religious and his side of the family is like some form of Christian that I'm blanking on at the moment, but he never (laughs) really went to church after he left the home, you know? Did you enjoy the services when you went? I don't want to sound mean, but they were kind of boring. (laughs) It was like a lot longer than I thought. I was like, it's an hour out of my day. And I ended up being there for like four hours. And there's like all these songs that you're supposed to know the words to. And if you don't know the words to these hymns, like you get a death glare from this random lady. (laughs) (laughs) To me, it would feel like not being interested in tech 
and going to a tech convention. You know, it's not something that speaks to you and your soul or anything that you believe in, but you're there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't necessarily raised atheist. I'm pretty sure at least my dad is an atheist. I know my sister is actually, well, she was briefly a Satanist, but now she's an atheist. I've always been agnostic. And since I do ended up end up wanting to go into uh, mortuary practices and religions of people, I find religion very interesting. And I already know quite a bit about Christianity just through like being around it so much. I know way too many things about the Bible, even though that's not my religion. <laughs> this kind of question was actually based on people that had grew up in a religious household and then left. But I think I can apply it to you, um, seeming that you've been to at least one of these services. But for 500 bucks, would you convert to, well, I was, was going to say your family's religion, but to Christianity, which have a branch for a year. And you must attend everything that they do. So midnight mass. And... I may go on a tangent really quick. You're actually describing something that is in anthropology called participant observation. Um, you join a culture group or uh, more commonly you join like a tribe and you live with them for a year and you practice their culture with them. So that just kind of sounds like participant observation to me. I would technically already be planning on doing that. <laughs> I don't see any problems with Christianity. One thing I would do is like, I really don't want to be a part of, I don't know if you guys have this over, I'm pretty sure this is an American thing, but there's this thing called a snake church. You guys got that over there? That sounds very interesting, but no, never heard of it. There's a line in the Bible that I'm probably getting it a little bit wrong, but it's basically like, and they shall take up snakes. During a sermon, the pastor will pick up a actual live rattlesnake during service and wave it around and to my understanding if you pray hard enough the rattlesnake either won't bite you or if it does you won't die and um (laughs) it's very uh interesting to my knowledge in a classroom setting i was told that usually they'll keep these snakes in a cold place um and then they'll wave the snake around a lot during the sermon so the snake is kind of stupefied already so it's not gonna like actively want to hurt anyone. Actually, HBO is releasing a documentary about a suspected murder at one of these snake churches where someone switched out the snakes so that someone would get bitten and die. Wow. That's one of the most southern things, Texas things I've ever heard of is a rattlesnake in a church. Well, they're all over, really. I, um, when I work in the field, I have to worry a lot about rattlesnakes and I'm in uh, California. Okay. Yeah, of course. Uh, anywhere, I just feel, I mean, there's snakes here. I just found out I was scared of snakes last year. I'd never really seen one before. And I found one. I was like, oh, I just found out I'm terrified of those things. What a development. <laughs> That's un- It's understandable. That's a very understandable fear. Um, now that we're talking about snakes, I remember when I was growing up in Texas, we had like those free days where they would have someone come talk to us. And sometimes we had like someone from the zoo and they would bring those giant albino pythons and they would have like 10 kids hold up this giant snake and i really was not expecting a snake to feel just like a bicep but like with scaly skin and like kind of weird texture i really was kind of freaked out by snakes for a while because of that it's weird culture man (laughs) so yeah 500 bucks would you convert christianity for a year yeah i'll get paid to do some field work (laughs) Would you do it for 300? No. <laughs> because you Spilled said 500. Work. I'm not going down. You already said 500 and I agree. Don't get the bit. I'm supposed to haggle you. 400. No, 500. It's for research. Are you there to learn or are you there to mug me? I'm there for money and learning. <laughs> okay, I'll give you 500. I still have to get my PhD. Do you know how much that costs, man? I have no idea. You're speaking to a podcaster over the internet. <laughs> you don't know my credentials. Also, yeah, you don't even know how expensive it is over here. No. <laughs> okay, you can have your 500. Okay. It's like, uh, I don't know about you guys over there, but it's about like, can range from 10 to like $20,000 a year for just a bachelor's level. I'm going to level with you. I actually left at um, secondary school. So I left education at 16. 
went into hairdressing, gave that up after three or four years, moved to working in music in bands, open mic nights and audio. Then I moved to bartending and that's where I am now. And now I'm kind of also back into audio with this. So I have no good education whatsoever other than the stuff that I've taught. High school is pretty good education if you have a good public school system. That's a fair point. (laughs) I would say a lot of the Texas public school system is a little... Actually, a lot of Southern states, because I went to school in a couple different Southern states. They still teach um, creationism as a equally valid option for biology. In Sweden, they teach, um, this is what some people believe, and this is what science tells us. You make your mind up. And I'm like, that's a pretty like interesting way to go about it. I mean, I was born in the south of the UK. You, I kind of grew up singing hymns and all of the stuff that you do in like a Christian school. I, it wasn't really necessarily a Christian school, but it was hymns every day. You do a bit of Bible study, but no one's really pressing it on you. Unless you have a teacher that wants to press it on you, then I think it was like fair game. I, I wish I was raised here in Sweden. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, over here, it's like, this is just as valid. And I actually got in trouble in biology when I was in, well, into my sophomore year. So it's like my second year of high school. Um, I got in trouble with my biology teacher because I was like, uh, before class, I was talking to my friend and she overheard me saying like, I don't really think they should be teaching us creationism. Um, cause I think that's stupid because I was a very, <laughs> I knew how to choose my words very carefully in high school. But anyway, I got in trouble with my biology teacher, um, because she was also fairly Christian, <laughs> was not okay with me sort of dissing her religion, which I didn't intentionally do, but I kind of get why she was upset because I called her stupid. <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that normally triggers people. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm actually going to change the next question after what you said. Um, I, I like this question a lot. So for, fa- for a thousand bucks, okay, <laughs> everyone in your immediate family believes that the earth is flat. <laughs> for a sciencey background like you guys, I think you'll appreciate this question. <laughs> I just, I can't even conceive like some members of my family thinking that, but okay. Would you allow their freedom of speech and the right to believe in what they want to believe? I have pretty religious family members that I just kind of leave to their own devices. I mean, as long as they're not actively trying to oppress me with it, like it's someone else's belief system and brain. There's a very simple chance of changing someone's mind, especially in my family. We're all very hard headed. So if this is the same people. Yeah. Now, I might show them that documentary that Flat Earthers made where they literally disproved their opinions by... I love that one on Netflix. Yeah, what is that called? Oh, I don't remember. It's like chasing something. But it was... I leg- I've never laughed out loud at a documentary before, but when they did the whole satellite thing, and yeah. they literally like proved their own... And the laser pointing. Oh. I felt kind of bad for him because he looked like legitimately upset. Yeah, this is beliefs. Okay, you're finding out something we've known since literally ancient Egypt. What okay. I liked is the follow-up from that was like, because that was, they carried on making the film. During these conventions, they're kind of like, we, we are working on technology to prove that we are right. Uh, we did the experiment, it didn't go to our understandings, but we realized that we didn't have the capacity, the calibrations, blah, blah, blah. And the guy that was leading it was like, the opposite of science. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to keep going at it until, until it works. I, I think it's hilarious. That's just <laughs> everything that is like science. The whole point of the scientific method is that like, if your hypothesis gets proven wrong, that's okay. Yeah. That's okay that you're wrong. You're just, you know, you've got this new information. Deal with it. Not like go do something until you're right. <laughs> But would you do it for a thousand bucks, your family members, but even flat earth? What about a thousand a hundred? What, are you paying taxes? What's the deal here? <laughs> yeah, I'm paying taxes. I'm a citizen of the United States. Of course I'm paying taxes. Good stuff. I'm honestly a little scared for tax season. I've been speaking with a lot of people from Florida currently, and they're really worried about their economy collapsing because it's entirely revolving around consumption. Zero percent tax rates, and it's all about the circulation of, of cash. It's interesting for me. I just I just find it fascinating. But I guess in San Diego, I mean, you have a... Yeah, we're a pretty blue state, so we do have, like, some sort of safety net. I did get the one stimulus check <laughs> really <laughs> early on that lasted me, like, three months. Ugh. We can do 1,100. Why not? Yeah. That's not much of a spend. Even if you know you're right, you can't 
just tell someone they're wrong. It's pretty fucked up. It's pretty frowned upon, honestly. It's all about sort of uh, thinking of something from, thinking of every situation from all the perspectives involved and not just your own. Because I think a lot of scientists and like the hard sciences, like um, my sister and I have a lot of interesting discussions about religion because I take a lot of um, religious studies classes. And when she hears certain traditions, she's like, that's stupid. That's weird. And I was like, no, it's not. Because if you think about it from this perspective, like uh, it makes a lot of sense. Like I've been telling her a lot about mortuary cannibalism. And <laughs> Of course you have. What else do you talk about on the dinner table? Yeah, I'm not allowed to bring it up with my mom anymore. She's put an embargo on that. <laughs> I love the choice of word embargo in that sentence. It's perfectly placed. <laughs> Okay, so after the next break, we have four questions coming up and uh, I'm going to try to get Samantha down on the prices because she is really tearing into me right now. So be right back after these messages. You remember that sound? Yeah, you do. The 1990s. It was fun. Lots of fun music, good times. Book ended by pop bands. And right in the middle, we got a little grungy. So many artists came and went and left us wondering, what are they doing now? We know what Marky Mark ended up doing, but what about the rest of the funky bunch? Alanis Morissette had a pop career before she made it big with Jagged Little Pill. The KLF, an EDM band from England, got Tammy Wynette to sing on one of their tunes. All kinds of crazy stuff happened, and we're going to talk to you about it with interviews with some of the biggest stars of the 90s on Dope Nostalgia, the podcast. I'm Naomi Carmack, and I'm your host. Check us out on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, anywhere you get your podcasts. And look us up on the internet at dopenostalgia.com. How well do you think you've been doing so far on these questions? I've been doing good. I was raised by my dad who thinks everything is um, haggleable. I'm pretty sure he's tried to like talk down the sales lady at Target before <laughs> on the price. Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, he is, um, he is a born haggler. So reading your description that you sent to me when I put out a forum and I ask about your biggest fears, I normally leave them to the last few questions. Um, but I like a little bit of background. When did you discover the fear of rejection? Uh, I got bullied a lot um, by people who like initially said they were my friends and stuff. And I feel like everyone has a fear of rejection. But I was really racking my brain when I filled out your form. And I was like, what am I afraid of? I was like, I definitely don't like being in the dark because I just don't like being um, unaware of my surroundings. So I don't like big wide open spaces either, you know? Uh, Sadly, I think I'm just too anxious and too freaked out by dark and wide open places to ever do underwater archeology, span even though it's really cool. (laughs) Rejection, it's like, I have always been like, raised to like work super super hard for absolutely everything and then you'll get it usually like i think that's sort of the american ideal too like the american dream is that if you work hard enough you can get it and like it's a nice idea but it doesn't necessarily always work out like i have i had to stand up in front of a classroom and have everyone laugh at me like yes of course who hasn't (laughs) yeah that's kind of the passing into adulthood i think you just have to take that kind of on the chin you know Yeah. I mean, I have my uh, therapist and part of the thing that most people who have a fear of rejection, like let it bleed into when they're an adult is um, when they start dating. And a lot of people, they will say they want to start dating, but they won't take any action towards it because they are kind of freaked out by sort of making yourself vulnerable and opening yourself up to a new person and then like shutting it down and like rejecting you. So she says to open yourself up to rejection more and literally like ask people out who you know are going to say no, just so you can like understand like, Oh, they said, no, it's not the end of the world. I'm not dying. Let's go do it again. And basically you have to do that until it doesn't hurt anymore. (laughs) Jeez. I had a similar thing. Um, I had a therapist that said to me that I have an issue with confrontation and letting my feelings be known. So she said in a lot of extreme therapies, and I wouldn't suggest it to you because it's not as severe as some people, She said, we recommend people to go into a restaurant and no matter what their meal is like, they have to complain and get a refund. For people that don't like confrontation, that's the scariest thing you could ever imagine. No, I understand. I do have a problem with confrontation as well. But there is one story that I want to share with you before we get into a question here. It's actually a little story about my youth um, and I'm really not proud of it. 
when I, when I went to school one day and like one of my close friends, he was talking to me and I just didn't hear him. I think I had a headphone in or something like this. And he was like, why are you ignoring me? Why, why aren't you listening to me? And I kind of went rolled with the punches. So then I did just start basically flat out ignoring him. And then he just started getting really freaked out. And then all of a sudden it became a thing. And then everyone else was involved and they saw me ignoring him. So then people started following my lead. So long story short, an entire week goes by and everyone in my class doesn't talk to him and completely shuts him out because of me. And I didn't stop it. I didn't stand up and stop it. I still remember this now. And we're still friends and stuff. We were fine after a while. But this is leading up to the question that for $25,000 for 10 days, your close family and friends completely block you out when you have no idea why. Okay. Um, for how much money? 25000 For a week? 10 days. This is going to sound really sad, um, but that happens. <laughs> <laughs> in quarantine, it really it does happen, and like it doesn't even seem to hurt in quarantine, if I'm being honest. Do you let's know take, what I mean? Like, yeah, let's take quarantine out of the situation. I think this would make yeah. more sense if this, never, this COVID thing never existed. Um, like if I go to school and like no one talks to me, that's weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or even if you're in like lesson, the, the teacher won't even look you in the eye. How would you get anything done? Hmm. 25,000. And the thing is, you, you aren't aware as to what you've done. No one's explaining to you why this is happening. You just come to school one day and it's happening. Until you get your money at the end. Yeah. <laughs> 10 days though. Honestly, this is not that different from my high school experience. That sounds really sad. Oh, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> Flashbacks. Yeah. Uh, how about 28000 <laughs> You don't get this game. <laughs> you said to if go higher and you're going to have yeah, me dead. If it's, if it's easier, you don't go higher. I was going to offer you 20000 or something. If this is like high school. But I thought the whole point of the game is for me to get the most money, right? Yeah, or if you like. Right? No, you can do that. You can okay. play the game. You can play the game seriously if you want. Hmm, okay. Well, I'm just saying, since it's easy, I know I can handle it, and I might as well get more money out of it, right? Okay. For for seven days, then for a week, I can offer you twenty five thousand. Cut three days off your sentence. Twenty six. Twenty five and a half, just so that you feel somewhat important. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I talked you down on the days and the money, so. <laughs> feel like I win. 50,000 bucks. So we're really going up here. I'm not entirely sure how you were going to take this one. I, I, I was asked this before. Um, for 50,000 bucks, would you, for three months, the only liquid you can drink is the water from canned corn and olive brine? That's such a weird question. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you got asked this? So... It's me and my co-host that do this. So I do one week and he does the next. Oh, okay. Our pilot is him doing me and then me asking questions for him. And he asked me this one. Well, I feel like the olive, if it was just olives, like um, I, I feel like you'd die. From brimed olives? Yeah, because of all the salt. If you have like enough salt intake, it can like seriously impact your health. Canned hmm. corn shouldn't be too bad. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. If I did canned corn. Do I have to choose or just do the money? No, you can do just what you mean, just do the money. You can you, you can either have canned corn or olive prime. The, these are the two options. Yeah, your fridge is full of both of those jars. And I still get to eat, so I'm not wasting the corn or the olives. So No, you can you can still eat, but you can't like drink alcohol or drink water. This is this is your life for three months. You know what? I cut out alcohol, so yeah. You don't need to know. <laughs> um, That's okay. It's important it's important into the factors here. Yeah. You said 50,000? Yeah. 52,000. I would do that for 52,000. I can do 51,000, um, but the olives in the brine are like plain. There's no like seasoning, so it's very easy to drink. <laughs> I don't know how to modify this question. <laughs> really? Hmm, 51 and a half. Okay, I fold. I'll do that. Do you want to know why I wasn't really feel? I wasn't really like going back and forth on this question. <laughs> this, this is your life as a student. 
people um <laughs> growing up i was the pickiest eater and all it black olives corn and a couple other things were like the only things i would eat growing up <laughs> did i love corn I went for very little on this question because I love corn. I love corn too. I have a bunch of corn recipes posted and I even have a whole episode about it. Um, corn is like one of the most amazing inventions that humans have ever humans have ever created because corn doesn't occur naturally. Did you know that? Yeah, I do. I have um, a really awesome book. It's um, The Drunken Botanist by Amy Stewart. Ooh. It's, she talks about the reproductive systems of corn and says that you're actually eating the fallopian tubes of the plant. It goes in depth about the structures of um, different ingredients, the historical references, um, how they work within beverage. She has like at least four or five um, pages about like absinthe, aniseed, the different ways of getting aniseed flavors into drinks, and the specific component called linalol, which is in a lot of aniseed flavorings. It's also in rosemary and mint, especially when mint gets wet and soggy and it goes brown, you'll get like a very intense flavor of like linalol, which is the component flavoring. It's perfect for you. Perfect for culinary. Yeah. Um, I'll have to check that out. That's really cool. Cause I'm still doing my podcast comes out in seasons cause I wouldn't be able to keep up with it otherwise with all the research I put into it. Um, yeah. And I've been doing a lot of script writing and researching for my next season so i'll have to check that out yeah i'll send you a link to the book um when we're done here so your fear of the dark have you had it your whole life yeah i did i used to have to sleep with a nightlight as a kid i the only reason i don't anymore is because um whenever we would travel together my sister and i were uh had to like bunk together and um my sister's the older one by like a year and a half and if you have any siblings i don't know if you do do you two two older brothers and they're twins you know so you know that like as the youngest you kind of get picked on a lot <laughs> yeah yeah it's the pecking order of the house we're cool now but like it was pretty touch and go for a couple of years um but i literally got bullied out of needing a nightlight because my sister would get mad at me <laughs> well i guess she bullied you out of your fear that's a good way of doing it i never heard of that method before in therapy if only i can get her to bully me out of my fear of rejection <laughs> yeah i don't know how that's gonna work I don't know. For $100,000, Sam, would you get buried alive for 24 hours? Ugh. How would that work? Well, you would have a tube to pee in, like an astronaut suit, and you'd have a little, like, straw to breathe through. Okay. I don't know if you've heard of this true crime story, but someone, like, buried someone they hated alive, and they put, like, speakers in the casket so that they could, like, talk to them through a microphone and, like, taunt them in their last minutes. Is there some situation like that going on? I have whatever kink you're into, but that's not really what I'm Ugh. asking here. No. It's horrible. <laughs> I want Exactly. I'm just saying some of these are pretty horrible. Do you want to make it worse? <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, I, I, think, okay. I think the price reflects this. Unless you want, like, a repeat of your least favorite podcast <laughs> just going in a circle for the 24 hours. Or just the sound of people eating. I don't know what you hate. Ooh, I hate when people like smack their lips and like slurp and stuff. Just like Me make too. gross sounds when they're eating and like the sound when someone chews with their mouth open. I hate that sound. And scraping plates, I hate. I just like Ooh, just leave yeah. it. Just leave it. Like when someone like drags their teeth along a fork while they're eating. Nasty. Like I don't know if you have uh, I don't know if you watch MasterChef in the States, but there's a guy called Greg Wallace, the English version, and he's a spoon licker. My to tell you what, my tongue and teeth really very rarely touch the cutlery. I just pull it out of my mouth, you know? Yeah, that's how I was, like, raised to eat, is, like, you yeah. got in trouble if you did that stuff. Like, that, <laughs> it's been ingrained to not do that, you know? That's interesting. Yeah, and then also my sister, like, really hates the sound of chewing. So I think that's why I chew quietly, is because, like, we would sit next to each other at dinner, and especially when we were teenagers, it's like, God, you sound disgusting! <laughs> my brother would wind me up. He would do it on purpose, with his, like, eyes closed, mouth mm -hmm. open. That smug look, you just want to smack. Horrible. I think I did that a little bit too in the beginning. And then initially I was like, you know what? This is kind of gross sounding. <laughs> yeah. For me, like what I hate is like, you know, when you're hangry, when you're hungry and angry, for those that don't know, and you finally get the chance to eat and then you're just like really wolfing it down and you can hear yourself eating. And then you get more, I get more angry with myself because like, this is what I hate people doing yeah. and I'm doing it, but I can't for some reason stop myself because I'm, I'm just this hungry that I need to just get it in me, you know? Yeah. And I don't know how hot it gets 
over by y'all, but um, in Texas and in the South, it gets like in the summer, it gets like above a hundred degrees Fahrenheit, not Celsius, I promise. Um, (laughs) uh, Some days. And so like, I've noticed that sometimes if I go out in like the middle of the day on one of these hundred degree days, I come back and I drink water like little kids do. Do you know what I mean? Where they like, they're like chugging water and you can hear them like struggling to breathe. I feel so bad for doing it, but it's like, I need this water. I got a dog that does that. (laughs) Is it like a smashed up face, like a pug? No, it's a, it's a Spanish stray dog, but they just so loud and get water everywhere. It's crazy. Buried alive. (laughs) Buried alive. 100,000, 24 hours. Could you do you know, it? I've been working on like meditation, so I feel like I could handle it. <laughs> hmm. Would you want to watch or not? Watch? Mm. Well, if I'm in like a casket buried alive, I wouldn't be able to use the watch because it's like you can't really raise your arm to like look at it really. Yeah. You're kind of like stuck in like a single position in most caskets, huh? I would do it for, this is 100,000 you said was the base? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 150? I can give you 125 and you get to keep the casket. Oh, I get to keep it? I can make it, honestly, I have a friend who has um, a coffee table that's made out of a casket and it's so cool. Oh, it's so gothic. I love it. That's so cool. I'm planning on getting one, so thanks for <laughs> thanks for saving me some money. There you I'll go. <laughs> that's, what we're, that's what we're about on this podcast. I've been talking, this is a great topic. I've been talking about my girlfriend as to how I want to die. This is a good, I like discussing these things. I do too. Yeah, my my dream now is I've read a study about this Dutch um, scientist or my mycologist who's invented uh, a body suit, which they ingest with fungus, which will compose your body. So you become, it, it will eat your body and then it will eat the bag and then you become directly into the soil and you become mycelium. That's really cool. That's like very back to the earth type thinking it's permaculture it's fantastic <laughs> I, I i love mushrooms i've been studying mycology like personally for the past year now and that's the way i want to go well you should look into uh mycology societies near you i have a friend who's the head of one in san diego and they do like mushroom themed dinners because she's a chef that i know and uh she did like a five course mushroom based dinner and she used like candy cap mushrooms to make like a creme brulee it was delicious oh wow that's clever yeah um but yeah you should look into it because they there's some all over the world really and they give like classes on how to forage yourself mm-hmm. i'm so far i'm self-taught and i'm pretty good with like we don't have lines made we don't have chicken of the woods um that i've seen yet we have like loads of oysters i found a maitake which is incredibly rare for where we are yeah. what else did i find um shaggy manes they're really cool i also discovered enoki the other day um, which I had correctly identified, which is quite a big step for me. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for this book that I found as a joke. Um, oh, I can't find it right now, but I bet it would be a great photo if you have like an Instagram for your podcast to like put in there. But there's this mushroom guidebook for North America called All That the Rain Promises and More. And the guy on the front is just like the kookiest looking guy i don't know if i can swear on your podcast i've been stopping myself from it oh you you go ahead i mean you are one question away now so let it let it out (laughs) he's the kookiest looking motherfucker uh he's got like a big ass beard and giant like crazy hair but he's like dressed really nice for the cover and he's got a (laughs) saxophone and he's just in the woods i've seen that cover for the cover of this mycology book yeah it's surprisingly informative though like he knows his stuff yeah, I, I'm on the mycology Reddit, so I, I see that book all the time circulating. It's it's great. Quarter of a million, Sam. You ready for the last question? Have you enjoyed yourself so far? Yeah, these are kind of interesting questions that I, I've never asked myself. <laughs> yeah, I try to individualize for each person. A lot of these have been recycled because I just like the questions. Yeah, I'm waiting for uh, the question about uh, my fun fact about myself because that took me a minute. <laughs> yeah, I haven't actually developed a question on that. We can tell them later then. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You can sign off on that if you like. That's totally fine. Sure. For a quarter of a million, would you lose your sense of taste for 10 years? No. <laughs> I'm already, I have such a fear of that now because that's a COVID symptom. I really don't yep. want to do that. <laughs> 
scares me too. Well, honestly, here's the thing. If I can keep my sense of smell, but not my sense of taste, I'd be okay. Cause uh, I've done research into it. And if you have your sense of smell, that's like most of taste. So if you lose your sense of smell, you can't really taste much anymore. Like your olfactory glands yeah. are much more sensitive than your taste buds are. Yeah, you can keep your sense of smell. I would do a quarter million dollars for five years. If it's for 10 years, I would do a half million dollars. Because I need to numb the pain with something. I'll do a quarter million for four years. How about that? Or That's where we were. <laughs> I know. We <laughs> That's two... why I was just like, wait a second. 210,000. 230. 230 works for me. Okay. I'm happy with that. Nice. So I have calculated the sum of your dignity for this episode. Um, but to increase the, the, um, the tension here, what I'm going to get you to do is to sell yourself, sell your podcast, tell the listeners what you do, the things you're about, and basically promote, promote okay. yourself. Um, and then we'll get to your sum. All right. Well, as you guys know, it's Sam Davis. Um, oh, I just thought of a better cool fact about me is um, my first name is actually Samantha. I just prefer Sam, but my mom was a big fan of that old show Bewitched. In America, it's about a witch who marries a mortal and they have like a little housewife uh, husband type situation. It's like a little thing from the 60s. My mom watched that growing up. It was her favorite show. So I'm Samantha after that show. But I'm in school right now to go into biological anthropology and biological archaeology. Anthropology is the umbrella term for both of those. Uh, that's about human bodies found in archaeological sites. I am very interested in religion and the way they look at death. That's what I'm looking into. It doesn't have a lot to do with what I do on my free time, which is I develop recipes and talk about food history on a podcast. And I am trying to understand how vid video editing works so that I can have a YouTube channel soon with other recipes. And my recipes are free to access on digitalsuit.com. The podcast is on all major platforms. So check it out and give me a rating and review if you want. Only if it's nice, please. That's it. <laughs> yeah. I actually Googled uh, Digital Sue to find you and it came up straight away. So people can actually find it through that. Oh, awesome. Yeah. It's always rewarding when you Google yourself and it comes up. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't always happen to me. You ready to hear how much money I owe you? Yeah. <laughs> so, Sam, after today, we have. You have eaten a tomato salad. I have buried you alive. Um, you have put the jalapeno in your ear. You've done all the things I've asked you to do. And the sum of your dignity today, $434,123. Okay, that could cover school expenses. <laughs> it's not bad. I'm sure you could buy plus a... Plus a casket, right? And plus a casket and a salad. <laughs> exactly. I don't know if I even gave you the McDonald's burger or not. I got French fries out of that deal. Oh, you're good. <laughs> yeah, I should go on Shark Tank. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys have one? Yeah, they have Shark Tank here. I think it's a you that you they have Dragon's Den, which I think is the same thing. Dragon's Sharks. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds cooler though. So do you think that was a good price? You happy with that? You think you played well? Pretty good. I thought I would get closer to a million dollars, honestly. Uh closer to like a you know. Just a higher number. <laughs> you did? That's, that's a pretty good number. Anything above 400 on this show is actually very good. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. I did my dad proud, finally. <laughs> yeah, should I explain horse vaulting before we go? For sure. <laughs> well, when I was a lot younger, I did really consider going to the, into the rodeo circuit because I really, it's a really cool like subculture in the South. Um, you like travel all over and we're talking, we're, I mean, you know what a rodeo is, right? Yeah, I know. Most people do. Yeah, it was bull roping, which I did get pretty okay with the lasso, I will say. Not great, pretty good. Can't do tricks. Um, but what I really found the most fun was this thing called horse vaulting. And that's when there's this weird special looking saddle on the back of a horse and it starts to sort of run in a circle around the track that they've set out. 
and then you run out and you try, run out to the horse you keep pace and then you flip onto the horse and you do like handstands on the horse and all sorts of gymnastics um to music and that's what horse vaulting is and i got pretty good at it in um rodeo camp (laughs) (laughs) uh, that i went to for a summer and i was really into it but here's the thing about rodeo workers is you cannot get insurance and also i found out about other stuff that i liked more and i just (laughs) you know the pay is not very good and you can't get insurance yeah fizzled out (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah anything with a high risk factor like that probably doesn't have good insurance rates and stuff like that oh yeah <laughs> perfect so that was our guest sam thanks for coming on the show we had a lot of fun i had a lot of fun yeah it was fun i'll have to come back next season there will be a next season i have not started recording it because i've got a lot of stuff to edit for us including this episode we just did so that was sam thanks for listening to the episode um i'm Blakely may this has been price tag pod and we will see you next time goodbye bye